I'm Chelsea Pottinger here with Chris Allen and welcome to EQ's podcast for professionals. It's time to recharge your life. Welcome to today's podcast on managing your time at work. I'm here with Chris Allen and Chris, how do you actually manage your time at work? So Chelsea, it's a great question because we're all flat out and sometimes work can feel like we're just going from email to email or meeting to meeting and you end up sighing to yourself saying, you know, what the hell? And then pushing through until everything's accomplished on your to-do list. And sometimes, I know in my own case, you you seriously feel like you, you don't even look up from your computer for two or three hours. So what are some of the easy wins you might suggest in order to make time during the day to schedule in these brain breaks that you've been talking about? Chris, the, uh, the research actually shows that we should really take a brain break every 90 minutes, and that's if we want optimal cognition and functioning from our brains. The sleep neuroscientists show us that you know we have these circadian rhythms at nighttime that cycle through deep REM and light REMs of sleep. And really interestingly, we have very similar cycles during the day, and these are called ultradine rhythms. And that's just like this roller coaster of high and low um, focus points for our brain as well, and they usually run in about 90-minute cycles. The, the same cycles that you have during the night, we have them during the day. Are you kidding? Mm, I wish I was. That's why our brains desperately need a break at maximum 90 minutes. If you can do this regularly throughout the day, the scientific research shows you'll be getting a lot more power out of your brain by doing it. So how long should we actually break for, Charles? I would usually take around a five to ten minute break is what, is what the research shows us. So, And it's really important that your break can't consist of getting on social media or any type of technology. This causes fractured attention and when you return back to your computer, you're still completely fatigued as it drains out your prefrontal cortex. So... What do we do, especially for our millennials who might be listening? Yeah, so uh, some easy wins would be a deep breathing exercise or going for a walk outside, stretching your back, your neck, your shoulders. Time for a quick downward dog in the office, eh, Chelsea? (laughs) Probably not, Chris, (laughs) unless you're wearing active wear to your office. I always wear active wear to your office. (laughs) Still a little bit inappropriate, given the uh, close proximity of your neighbouring colleague. (laughs) So... So instead of yoga, we should be thinking about making a cup of tea, connecting with positive people, going to the cafe, one of my classic favourites, meditating, reading a book, insert pun, watch a funny YouTube clip, practice 30 seconds of gratitude, or even do some push-ups or jumping jacks. Yeah. Thoughts? Brilliant. Love it. Uh, But I can just see myself, the alarm goes off, and the push-ups start. At at the (laughs) desk, that's me. Office would love it. So if you feel like you aren't going to remember any of these, it's really important to actually set your your phone up with an alarm that goes off in 90-minute cycles, you know, at 9.30, 11, 12.30 p.m. and so forth. And there's something that I really struggle with, Chelsea, is the 3 p.m. slump. And there's actually a lady in my office who I've asked, she sits very close to where the chocolates and the chips are, <laughs> that if I venture down there anywhere around 3 o'clock or onwards, she has absolute carte blanche to stand up and humiliate me in front of all of my colleagues so (laughs) what are your thoughts on that so it's true you know 
that story and also the fact that everyone has these 3 p.m. slumps and we have these internal clocks inside of our brains. And one of our Kleitman's greatest contributions to science was to show that we have these two armies of forces that actually go to battle with each other. One army is called the circadian arousal system that would do everything in its power to keep you awake, referred to as the C process. And if this army had its way, it would make you stay up all the time. And fortunately, the other army, the hemostatic sleep drive, referred to as S process, Process, does everything in its power to make you fall asleep. If this army had its way, it would make you fall asleep and, and you'd never wake up. So in my case, the uh, hemiostatic sleep drive is, uh, is winning the war on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> so are you saying that after about 16 hours of consciousness, this process S will start to occur? Yeah, yep. and then you'll fall asleep. And usually then the C process will kick in after around, you know, seven and a half to nine hours and wake you back up. This is really fascinating. And so what has all the brain stuff got to do with this 3 p.m. slump? So given that these sleep rhythms fight these battles for 24 hours every single day, researchers have shown what happens at 3 p.m. It goes by by many names, the post-lunch dip, the 3 p.m. slump, an afternoon siesta. I'm loving what the Spanish came up with. I know, not a bad idea, hey, from the amigos. It can be nearly impossible to get anything of high quality done at 3 p.m. If you attempt to push through, which is what most of us do, right, you know, and then you can spend most of your afternoon fighting annoying tiredness, the brain really needs a break at this period of time. So as I understand it, this is really interesting. This has only become a, a relatively recent discovery as scientists didn't believe in the nap zone. So I actually thought it was from eating a high-carb lunch for a long time. <laughs> and, and you're right, you know, that, that definitely increases its intensity. But if you're eating well, you, you usually don't feel the full impact of the slump. But this intensity of a dip is actually due to part of our evolutionary history. When you chart the process S curve and the process C curve, you can actually see that they flatline in the exact same place. So I'm obviously loving these army analogies. But <laughs> these, so these two armies that are fighting to keep you awake and asleep, what if at some point they reach a form of stalemate around around that time? Yeah, exactly. That yeah, that's it. And this is what drives the nap zone and our brains don't work so well during it. People will notice with public speaking or delivering strategy meetings or client pitching, it's fatal to deliver a talk in the mid-afternoon. There are more car accidents in this period of time from 3 to 3.26 than any other time during the day. And the most recent NASA study showed that a 26-minute nap during this lull period for our brain around this 3 p.m. time improved at pilot's performance by about 34%. So I really like where this is going, Charles. So what you're saying is that we really all need to just pack our PJs and go to work ready for a nap. <laughs> As you can see, I'm already prepared. <laughs> We are podcasting in our pyjamas right now. (laughs) All I'm recommending is instead of ignoring these internal forces, we start embracing our natural chemistry. And, and you know, that you perhaps not booking the client pitch at 3 p.m. You Public speaking, you don't do that at 3 o'clock. And for the full-day strategy meetings or monthly meetings with your teams, taking afternoon tea at 3 o'clock. And then scheduling in a really healthy brain break, you know, walking outside, meditation, that'll completely recharge your brain. A cup of tea, potentially schedule your gym workout from 3 to 3.30, perhaps. So uh, while we're on that, let's, let's briefly touch on exercise. And, and, you know, after years of research, it, it's now widely known that there's a direct correlation between exercise and brain function, brain cognition. So the big question is, what type and how much exercise should we be doing? 
It's actually not much, Chris. You know, if all people do is walk for 30 minutes for three times a week, people's brains will benefit. And if you throw in a a strength training session, the brain cognition goes up like another level. It's also really important you don't push yourself. You know, too much exercise and overexhaustion can actually hurt the body and decrease cognition. And Chelsea, what are your thoughts on exercise helping with stress? Well, there's this huge growing body of evidence suggesting that exercise dramatically improves the risk of decreasing anxiety and stress. Exercise regulates the release of serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Uh, The brain really needs oxygen to survive, and it loves oxygen-rich blood. So this is where exercise comes in. You know, exercise provides that greater access to the oxygen. You know, and the research is convinced that if you can add exercise into your daily routine, it'll make you smarter and more productive. So are there ways that we can build exercise into our day-to-day life? So how about this 3 p.m. slump? You know, in the workplace, you had 30-minute walking meetings. What if you packed your gym gear and did a session during during this post-lunch dip? I, I like the idea of that 30-minute walking meeting, I must say, because sometimes it's not always possible to get your gym gear and go out and do that. But when you can actually encourage a colleague to go out and walk, meet, get what you have to get done done and come back is a great idea. So do you feel like if we did this, it would actually improve results and productivity? Absolutely, as in 100%. You know, for companies that strive for creativity and productivity and horsepower, exercise can be one of the best tools to give you a strategic advantage. So to summarise this podcast, Chelsea, we take a brain break every 90 minutes. At 3pm, we all experience our attention flatline for about 26 minutes, so we should meditate, exercise, go outside for a walk. That's absolutely spot on. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much, Chelsea. There's some great tips on this podcast. Now, I understand uh, that you've provided some bullet point summary in the notes for this module so that people can look at it anytime and check out the scientific-based tips that embed immediately into our daily work life and ensure that we have a more balanced, clear and productive work life. Thanks, Chris. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, and you've been listening to EQ's podcast for professionals. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at EQ Minds for more ways to live a calmer life. Thank you for listening.